Brick and Mortar Reporter, Episode 40. Are we really 40? Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And Before now, here's your host, episode, Christy Hostler. Facebook, and through our Facebook link, you will be able to see every single episode as it gets released first thing every single morning. So if you want to like us on Facebook, we appreciate the likes. We appreciate comments. You can uh, reach us there any way you want to. Facebook.com forward slash brick and mortar reporter will find us on Facebook. Also, if you're a Twitter user, it's very easy to find us at BAM reporter at BAM Reporter for Brick and Mortar Reporter. So those are two ways you can get in touch with us and stay in touch with us and keep up with the latest episodes on the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast. Now, off to the interview. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host today. And you're not going to believe it, but I have managed to get three guys that own a business together to sit down and talk to me all at one time today. My first time I've ever had three guests, but I have Michael Frazier, Adam Gislason, and Chad Snyder, and together they own Snyder, Gislason, and Frazier in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's a boutique law firm, and they specialize in helping uh, local business owners as well as any type of um, problems that you might have legally, and they can handle anything you could imagine that comes from their community. They're also going to hopefully share a little bit of um, some tips that local business owners could use to uh, maybe minimize some exposure or some common mistakes that you see uh, they see other business owners making. So, guys, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, to get us started, we've got three of you that I would like to each take a moment and introduce yourself. We want to know the story of you to start out with before we get to the story of your business. And um, maybe after we introduce each of you, we can kind of talk about how you came together to get started. But um, let's start with Michael. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself personally and professionally? And then we'll just kind of go around the table. Absolutely. Uh, I grew up in South Dakota, went to college at St. Olaf in Northfield, graduated from law school here at the University of Minnesota. Um, I've been practicing law for, I'm in my seventh year now. I've uh, always worked in a small firm. Personally, I have two dogs and I have a six-month-old kid now, which uh, is keeping me nice and busy. Wow. Um, and yeah, I so practicing law, balancing that with having a family, um, it's been an adventure, but that's a uh, that's my life these days. Excellent. How about Adam? Go ahead and introduce yourself for us, if you don't mind. Hello, this is Adam Gislason. I am the proud law partner of Michael Frazier and Chad Snyder. We started this firm approximately four years ago. Uh, Chad and I knew each other from a larger firm. Uh, and then Chad went solo, and I decided to go solo. And Chad knew Michael, and the three of us teamed up to form Snyder, Gislason, Frazier, also known as the Law Geek. That's our alternative branding. Uh, we represent individuals, uh, small businesses, families, and artists in and out of ah. Our tagline is Creative Legal Solutions. Um, I am, I, my tagline is lawyer by day, punk rocker by night. My, my <laughs> background is music. Uh, I'm representing creative clients with their businesses, their contracts, and other issues that arise. Excellent. Now, see, that that automatically makes you not fit in the lawyer mold whenever you're a, a rocker by night. So I love that. <laughs> Let, break the mold, exactly. Chad, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, before I do that, Adam failed to mention that before we formed the firm, he and his brother were in a band and took a run at uh, – the band So It Goes, which may still be available somewhere on the interwebs in some way. Shape. Oh, very uh, interesting. Shadow's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll go and have a weekend, and by Monday you'll forget all about this, so that'll be <laughs> be okay. Uh, go ahead, Chad. Uh, this is Chad. I uh, am the senior partner in the firm, and I am the oldest. 
Uh, ah. I've, I've been practicing for 15 years. Before I went into law, I was in journalism. I ran a small local newspaper uh, just outside of Cedar Rapids, Iowa for a while. Uh, worked at the Cedar Rapids paper and then realized that I wasn't making any money mm. and that I'm not really good at not telling people my opinions, so I should get into a profession that let me tell people what I think. <laughs> so I uh, turns out journalism is a great business to used to be in, uh, at least newspaper journalism. Uh, so it's been useful, but uh, boy, I feel bad for the people that are still in that industry if they try and work it out. Yeah, uh, that's tough. As Adam said, he and I worked together at a larger firm for, I was there for about eight years. I think Adam was there for six of those. Uh, I decided that I wanted to represent smaller clients. The firm that we were at did really interesting, challenging litigation across the country. I wanted to stay focused locally, so I went and formed my own solo practice a few years into that as Adam was wrapping up his adventures as a, as a rock star. Uh, he came to me to talk about going solo, and he was on my short list of people that I wanted to uh, have as a partner. And since he was interested, uh, and I knew Mike uh, was about to be in a position to, uh, to join us because the firm he was working at was wrapping up, uh, we formed this firm. So is it scary to go from working for a big, um, more corporate law firm to kind of focusing more locally on smaller clients? Was that, I mean, was there a lot of risk or a lot of fears involved with um, making that change? Only if you're worried about getting paid. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I was an employee at the large law firm. I had a guaranteed paycheck. Uh, and, you know, a couple of clients came with me, but I didn't know what it was going to be, uh, you know, in, I had no experience in marketing. Uh, the firm I was at, I did very little client recruiting. It wasn't the nature of the work that I did, so I didn't know how it was going to pan out. So, yeah, uh, it was a little nerve-wracking. I had good savings. I planned for it. Uh, and my standard was as long as I could continue to afford cable, I was doing okay. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Credo to live by. You're doing fine if you've got cable. <laughs> well, I'm a bit of a TV junkie, so... Excellent. So let me ask you this. Now, the three of you together um, came together and formed this um, business. And so with, I know, like you were just saying, that there's there wasn't a lot of um, actual business experience, you know, the marketing and how do you, you know, how do you do the day-to-day -day running of your business. So how exactly have y'all managed to divide up the day-to-day -day running of the business duties? Yeah, well, we, uh, we each uh, have similar talents in many ways, but each one of us has a, a strong preference to not do particular aspects that is required <laughs> in running a business. I mean, gotcha. none of us gets to be just a lawyer anymore, which is, uh, right. uh, you know, that it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, but it, um, as a small business owner, you know, you, there's a lot of stuff you have to do. But it, it sure. works out really well for us because one of us is very strong at networking and marketing and loves to be out and be a punk rocker at night. Um, <laughs> I, I personally like de dealing with numbers and I'm just kind of the nitpicky things which uh -huh. is you know, kind of strange. but uh, So I get to do a lot of the bookkeeping. and I mean, it, we just kind of end up breaking it down into our strengths and weaknesses. And it, uh, um, I don't think any of us love some of the aspects of having to run the business versus having, you know, getting to, to be a lawyer. But right. uh, it's, it's something that you have to do. And uh, luckily, we kind of complement each other really well in that regard. Excellent. So you've been at that. This is Adam. And just to... Um, follow up on what Michael said. I think one thing that we realized um, early when we formed this firm and we continue to say is we each play a certain role. I think mm -hmm. Michael and, and Chad actually are really good marketers and they, you know, just because I'm out late at night and I guess working the tables and rubbing elbows doesn't mean that, um, you know, I'm the marketing department. These guys actually are 
Um, they're very good at what they do, and there's many ways to market your business, whether it's going out, um, attending um, different conferences, speaking at those conferences, writing on the website, taking clients out. I think this is something that we all do very well. We're committed to doing it. Um, and I think it's very important for whatever business, whether it's a law firm or um, you know any any business that is marketing itself online or with its customers um, needs to have a plan and needs to execute that plan with clear division of responsibility. And that's something that I think we've done pretty well here. Well, you know the the way. I see it. You've got essentially three times the marketing power of the normal business owner because you've got three people who have probably very different ways of doing marketing and accomplishing it, but all of that plays into the overall marketing strategy. So, I mean, it's kind of like triple, you know, triple the power of the marketing department. So, I love that. Yep. So, let me ask you this. When you got, four years ago, you got your business together, you, you decided who, who you're bringing in and who was going to come on board, and you took the leap, got rid of the big law firms and focused more on local and being a local business owner, you know, as far as the firm goes. So what resources within your community have been helpful in really helping you get your business off the ground? Well, a big one was somebody that Adam actually had a connection with, uh, from his work in music, um, our accountant is somebody who does a lot of work with artists. And so okay. Having, yeah, we don't do tax work. And so having somebody we can trust for that um, sure. uh, has been great. And it's a connection to you know, potential clients to some extent, although I don't think we certainly don't use them as a, a marketing tool. Uh, but mm -hmm. she's working with the same sorts of people that Adam works with, um, a lot of artists. Uh, people don't think about the extent to which being a musician is also a business. And our accountant, Alyssa, is great at pointing that out, as Adam has had to do with a number of his clients to make sure they're covering that aspect of it. Um, otherwise, you know, for lawyers, beyond you know, something like that, having you know, we also have a bookkeeper who helps us, who's great, who is somebody I had been working with. Uh, the Bar Association is a big deal that, you know, there isn't necessarily an equivalent for every everybody in, in small business. Sure. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the interview, you said something about us being able to help with any sorts of legal needs. And that's not, frankly, true for any lawyer. I mean, we cover a lot of areas where something of a general practice firm more than many, but having connections to the community the legal community through the bar is a big deal for us because if somebody comes to us with a bankruptcy question, we don't do bankruptcy, but we know, mm. you know we don't have a criminal defense practice, but we know people who do. Uh, and uh, having those connections makes us more valuable to our clients. And in return, you know, when the criminal defense lawyer gets somebody who comes in with a family law case or you know a piece of contract litigation, something they don't do, they know us. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now, I go ahead. Building those connections between law firms is, is really pretty crucial for us, especially smaller firms. Bigger firms either just don't do things and just don't worry about you know certain areas and don't worry about it because they're big firms and they have their larger clients, or they've got more people internally you know to work with. But small firms, a lot of what we do is you know work with each other. Uh, bounce ideas off of each other. Well, and it's great that you can have that collaborative, um, that spirit of collaboration rather than, you know, thinking that it's competition because, like you say, with the specialties and the certain types of law that are practiced with each one, it's there's not any competition there for the same type of client. So it seems like it would be a, a natural handoff from one firm to the other. It often is. Uh, and, you know, the practice isn't like TV shows. We don't all hate each other. Uh, <laughs> most of our players get along pretty well. Uh, not always, but mostly we get along pretty well. Sometimes it, you know, there are situations where our clients are irritated because outside of the courtroom, the lawyers are talking are, are pretty cordial. If we have a job right. to do it very well, 
but that doesn't mean it has to be you know, competitive in a personal way. Uh, certainly, we compete for clients to some extent. You know, right. Now, it also means that we have, if there are firms that we respect, we can refer business to them if it's a case we just can't handle for some reason. Yeah, I guess it is funny whenever you have clients that really want you to hate the other, <laughs> to hate the other party, and you really are like, oh yeah, I had dinner with them last week. I can imagine that's not great for the client. So it's let me fine. ask. Do what? It's surprising to uh, to the clients to see us you know, see the lawyers getting along because for the clients, but, this is often this is personal. Yeah. Uh, you know, we do family law. It's very personal in those cases, obviously. But yeah. even in the you know, small business dispute, it's hard to separate the the litigation or the, the the contract analysis or whatever sort of dry thing the lawyers are dealing with from the personal impact of this this fight on on the person that owns the business or runs the business or any of those things. And you, know, you raise the idea of tips for people. And one of the things I would tell people in litigation is do your damnedest to separate those things out. Yeah. Um, the law isn't interested in the personal for the most part. Mm. That's interesting. Now, I um, following up with that. Now, I think it was it was on one of the pages on your website. I want to say it might have been under under Michael's page. Whenever I was reading, and one of the things you mentioned is that sometimes by the time um, a matter has has entered the the legal realm, it's it's sometimes too late for you to actually do your best work. Like you could actually be of more help before the problem ever gets that big. Can, can you talk a little bit about that and, and maybe some some ways that that you can head off those type of things if you feel like you're heading for a legal battle? Absolutely. Yeah, this is Michael, and that's, uh, that's one thing I tell a lot of clients. I, a big part of my practice is representing small businesses either as an in-house attorney or in, in lawsuits. And... Oftentimes, it starts with a lawsuit, and then I become their in-house attorney saying, well, you know, if you would have done X, Y, and Z, you never would have had that lawsuit to begin with. Um, mm. so it's a lot cheaper to do things right on the front end than to, to fix them on the back end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's basically the, the, the moral of what I'm trying to say on, on that page. It's that yeah. with a small business, you know, it, it's all about margins, of course, and so you don't want to spend any dollar that you don't have to. And so, hey, I can put this contract together myself. Why should I pay somebody to do that for me? I download it online. It says, hmm. I, I think I understand what it means, and so we're going to sign it. And as long as everybody's happy, it's not a big deal. But as soon as the, the other party that signed that contract with you says, um, I thought paragraph three meant that I only had to work for you for a year, I only had to deliver $100,000 worth of goods, and you thought it meant something else. If you had, if you had help interpreting or writing that contract, it costs a little bit on the front end, but if you try to have a fight over what it means on the back end, it costs a lot more money. And that goes for more than just you know, legal services. Um, uh, you know, when you're running a small business and you can't afford to pay a bunch of money to, to have everything squared away. You can talk to other small businesses, and that's why I'm um, uh, really happy to be involved in the organization, Metro IBA, the Independent Business Alliance. It's a great network of small businesses in, that are independent in the, in the area, and it's a great way for small businesses to bounce ideas off each other and say, you know, I was looking to hire people. Can I have them as an independent contractor? Is it worth the oh. money to have them as an employee? What did you do? And you have these people, you know, have a whole discussion about it. I think that's, um, that's a useful resource. But there are some aspects that sometimes, you know, you need, you need to bite the bullet and, you know, hire a good bookkeeper or accountant that's going to tell you how not to get in trouble with the IRS or the Minnesota mm -hmm. Department of Revenue. Uh, hire an attorney to make sure that you have that you are treating your corporation, your LLC, in a way that 
the rest of the world is also going to treat it as an LLC. I mean, the whole point of setting up a corporation is to protect yourself from individual liability. But if you don't do everything right, sometimes that distinction becomes meaningless. Ah, very interesting. You can still have so, so let me ask you this. I know probably one of the things that you as local business owners of a, a legal practice fight against in some ways is, is trying to deal with the do-it-yourself Internet world. And I think, you know, just in the last probably, what, seven or eight years, we've had the, the legal Zooms and all these other um, spinoffs that, you know, will put these contracts out there and, and, you know, you just essentially point and click what you want and before you know it, you've paid 50 bucks or whatever. I don't even know what it, how much it costs, but it, it, so you pay a price and you get a form, you know, template delivered to you with your information filled in and that sort of thing. Um, are there things that you would tell um, a business owner about, uh, maybe a cautionary tale about relying on that type of legal help? It's tricky for me to pick up a single incident, but I like the way you put it, and this isn't the way you intended it, but you pay a price. Right. Uh, and maybe you'll be fine, and nothing will ever come of it. And you save the, the 200 bucks you might have paid to a lawyer to prepare that document by paying 50 bucks to pull it off the Internet. But if it's not crafted to match you know, the laws of a given state, mm -hmm. I don't think crafts you know, to each state. They're not giving legal advice. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, the variations aren't necessarily dramatic, but sometimes it matters. Um, if it's not crafted to your particular situation, so you just sort of said, this language is good enough for what I mm. want, I think everybody's okay with it. As long as nothing ever happens that you and the other party disagree, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that happens almost never, right? <laughs> I would actually say it probably happens most of the time. But you may not be, you know, you may be in that situation where you're one of the people where it turns into a fight. And if yeah. it turns into a fight and you didn't develop this contract to reflect the particular agreement between your business and somebody else's business, you're going to end up with litigation about what this contract means. Mm. And that could cost you tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, wow. depending on the country. You have to decide what's worth to you and all of that, and that's a whole analysis to go through with a lawyer. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work to, to do this sort of thing on the front end. It's the same reason we use accountants to do our tax work. We don't know it well enough. Could we fix right. it up to good enough? Maybe, but if we screwed up, the cost of fixing it down the road is more than we want to spend. And sure. so we work with a lot of small businesses to say, call us first. You want a contract on it, we'll draft it. Or some, the other side has drafted it, let us look at it so we can tell you, hey, this, this provision right here might mean this, it might mean that. We can clean it up to say this or that. And sometimes our client is in a position to negotiate with the other side, and sometimes they're not. But we can at least tell them where the potential problem is. And you know, I would tell you know, any small business owner anywhere, get to know a lawyer who knows this stuff so that you can set up a relationship with them and for a relatively small upfront cost, you can reduce the risk of something blowing up into an expensive lawsuit. You can never eliminate it. Clients ask right. all the time, what can I do to never get sued? And my answer to that is nothing. <laughs> yeah. But you can reduce your risk. You can appreciate yeah. having it resolved quickly and inexpensively. And in your favor, that's the other thing. If you get into a lawsuit of tens of thousands of dollars, you might still lose. The judge might say, yeah, the contract doesn't mean what you think it means. After spending all that money, you could lose if you just downloaded this form and you thought it meant something. You could spend all that money for not. So. The, the thing I run into, and I see it more in family law than I do in business, but I've seen it in contract situations too, is people get right up to the point of the, the, the tough issues in their negotiations, whether it's uh -huh. a, a 
family law case and it's custody or it's a business dispute. And they, they sort of put in this wishy-washy language that both of them are comfortable with at the moment. And then six months into the relationship or a year into the relationship, a disagreement comes up. And they haven't hashed out what they both really wanted. And uh-huh. one expectation and the other went in with a very different expectation. And the reason it was difficult to really negotiate it was it was important to both of them. And so when uh-huh. it further down the road, it blows up. And if you yeah. on at the front end to say, this thing is important to me, we're going to negotiate this term so we understand it now and we're all on the same page, then you avoid that costly fight down the road. Now, the risk, of course, is that the deal falls apart. Yeah. And you have to make a decision about how valuable this piece of the agreement is to you as a business or you as a person at that point in time. But sometimes... Frankly, most of the time, letting the deal fall apart is worth it if it's just going to turn into an expensive piece of litigation down the road. Because oh, litigation, sure. and I'm a litigator, but I think that litigation is no fun for anybody. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Do, do you find... I'm sorry. Do you find that... Um, there is a misconception among business owners um, that that seeking an attorney's advice is more expensive than they really think it is. Yes. Well, I don't know if it's a misconception. I think that um, some attorneys are very expensive. Um, the the model the, the model in the legal industry is changing because uh, you know the legal industry, like every other industry, was hit by the recession pretty hard. And oh, okay. Cities, yeah, and in the Twin Cities area, I mean, we were pumping out a thousand new lawyers a year with no. Oh, power. wow. So the, the model's changing a lot, but there. Are, I mean, if you call one attorney, they're going to tell you, "I bill eight hundred dollars an hour," you know, mm-hmm. and that's going to scare people away. And sure. uh, we, as a small firm, have to be more nimble because small businesses—they're not going to pay me eight hundred dollars an hour to work for them. Right. Um, and so. It's, it's balancing the cost versus the value, but it, it, calling and asking, setting up a meeting rarely costs anything. Um, mm-hmm. Spending the time to do a little bit of research to find out the ballpark of what it's going to cost will surprise business owners. But I would recommend calling a handful of attorneys. You might get that first attorney you call might say, oh, I do this all the time. Standard rates in the industry are $800 an hour. And then you might get discouraged. Um, yes. You make four more calls and you realize that, oh, most people charge more like $300 an hour or, or a lot of people in the industry are charging in ways that are not by the hour. Okay. So, um, yes, I do think there's a misconception about how much attorneys cost, but it does vary so greatly that it, it's worth the time shopping around. Well, that will be our, definitely our message to leave with business owners is that it's it's not going to cost you anything other than a little bit of time to do the research and check it out. But what you might find is that for a very reasonable price, you're able to um, have a lot of your risk um, eliminated as far as leaving something out of a contract or you know doing something that you, you don't intend to be uh, skirting the law but somehow you might end up stepping in some of those you know some of those situations anyway so um, now let me ask you this I we always like to, to see if there have been any failures or, or obstacles as you put a business together and get it going that you have maybe learned from that maybe other business owners can also learn from. So in the forming of your business, did you have anything that just didn't go quite the way you wanted and you learned valuable lessons from it? Um, well, it's a great question. And I think forming a business, operating a business, running a business with partners um, is always a work in progress. Ah. We, we, I think, did a nice job, and when we first met, we laid out some specific ideas, um, ground rules, 
and goals that our business had, and we reduced it to writing. And that, I think, is the most important thing for any business owner, specifically one that has a partner or multiple partners or is a member of an LLC, is to have an understanding fleshed out in writing so that everyone can point to the document and say, this is how our business operates, this is what we do in this situation, this is how profits will be allocated, this is how losses will be uh, allocated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So having a plan and reducing it in writing, I think, is the absolute most important thing. I think all three of us here represent clients that did not do that, have not done that, and it really becomes an issue if things fall apart. They become some of the nastiest losses. Oh, yeah, because that's, that's personal whenever that happens. Yeah. Yep, it's personal. And not only dealing with, you know, friends um, who went into business together usually, but it's the, the business was their baby, their creation, yeah. um, their intellectual property, and it becomes very, very heated and very, very personal. Um, on, on many levels. So get it in writing. So let me ask you this. Let's just say that you, you start something and you do do that initial, you know, laying out a plan and getting it in writing, getting everyone to uh, continue, you know, to sign off on it and, and everyone appears to be on the same page. Is there any need at any interval in the future to revisit that? Absolutely. Um, you know, businesses change and it's important to sit down and make you know you, you put a document together that says this is what we all expect in five in one year three year five years this is what we all want in one year three years five years but you sit down after year and say did we get there do we still want what we want um, you know everybody changes I mean I wanted to be a tuba player when I was in high school I'm now a lawyer. Oh, really? yeah, I mean, <laughs> Change, desires change, you need to be able to revisit because when you're 25, you're going to want certain things. When you're 40, you're going to want other things. Um, yeah, it's true, tuba player. I'm getting one. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it is critical to make sure not only that you all, where are you? Did you get to your goals? Are, did the last year go the way you wanted to? But also, do we still want the same things? So yeah, I would say at least on a yearly basis, but maybe even on a quarterly basis, sit down and and have a discussion of, about your business. Excellent advice. Just wondering about that because I, I would imagine there's also, um, you know, other events that would automatically, you know, someone, you know, important figure leaving the business or other transactions that would be happening that would bring that about anyway. But even if you're not going through any of those major changes, do revisit that. So um, let me ask you this. Have you guys had any sort of business coaches or any type of mentors that you've had be influential over your careers? Well, for me, um, I have been, I, I make it a point to stay in touch with all the lawyers with whom I've worked, specifically our former colleagues at our um, the law firm that Chad and I worked at, uh, those resources continue to be vital. And my mentors there are still my mentors to this day. Wow. Yes. And I'm, I have also a father who is uh, a lawyer and has been for many, many years. So he's a great resource. I love you, Dad. Just wanted to throw <laughs> it out there. Yep, get some bonus points there. That's well, right. <laughs> so former colleagues, current colleagues, members of the Bar Association, all very important resources for us. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I still am in touch with attorneys at the old firm. Uh, probably not as much as Adam is. Uh, I did, when I was still solo, work with somebody local, uh, an attorney who does coaching on, on running firms and worked with him for a uh -huh. while on marketing issues just because it wasn't something I knew. And so I looked for a resource on that and picked up some things. Uh, I didn't necessarily follow all of his advice. Um, mm -hmm. advice, but it just didn't fit my personality necessarily. Ah. 
but I looked for a resource and I think it was time and money that I that was well spent in that particular for me. Uh, other than that, I don't know that I could pick out a particular mentor in the community. Uh, there are people I go to because they know certain things, mm -hmm. uh, certain types of law that I, and there are people that I respect that I've come to know, and, uh, and I look for people in that situation. Um, I, I, uh, I've had different types of mentors. I've mentors uh, that were, you know, how to practice law better or how to write better. Um, uh -huh. Chad, Chad, my partner Chad, was and is my my mentor on on those aspects, um, which is why it's pretty awesome being his law partner. Uh, but yeah. I said, uh, you know, I had mentors on how do you run a business, how do you balance the the life with your practice, and you know, a few uh, a few former uh, teachers of mine that are also like solo attorneys have helped me along the way. Um, just to you know, look and see what they've done, how they've balanced their lives, how they've you know how they've marketed, how they've been able to you know run a su successful law firm. You know, a small firm, like any other small business, fails. A lot of small law firms fail, and if you don't do it right, um, it doesn't matter how good of a lawyer you are. So there's no point in reinventing the wheel um, if you if you know people that are good at what they do go out and have a cup of coffee with them and ask them how they got there. And, uh, you know, I, so I, I do have a few friends that, you know, have been practicing for, you know, a dozen years more than me that, like, I want, I want to be you in, in a dozen years. How do you get there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. So I know that with, um, with your particular industry being a law firm that sometimes marketing can be a little bit tricky um, just because of some of the consumer misconceptions and, and that sort of thing that you might face. So what particular marketing strategies are you guys using right now that is actually working for your business? Uh, we employ a variety of marketing strategies. One of the new ones that we have recently engaged in was something that Mike brought to the firm. We teamed up with a large blog that um, is that a, is that the right description of it? Sure. Yeah, it's a baseball. It's a swim baseball blog. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we're one of their sponsors, and we kind of interact with some of their writers and uh, try to get to know that community and, and be associated with that community as you know a a local Twins fan law firm. So yeah, we're, we're we're trying to experiment with different types of marketing instead of you know I'm driving on the highway and I see a big billboard with somebody's face on it. So it seems like you're more a little bit more about building relationships within the community. Absolutely. That's, that, that is the way we have been able to have consistent and recurring business and referrals. It's, you know, if, if I get one client that, that just finds me randomly, they're not very likely to send somebody else my way or call me again unless, A, I do a good job or B, I build a relationship with them. If, if, mm -hmm. Or I'm not even likely to get them in the first place because I'm one of the you know 10,000 other attorneys that they just Google Minneapolis attorney. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, absolutely. Being a part of a community uh, is is a part is a big part of our marketing and our business model. Yeah. A lot of what we do is just be good lawyers. Uh, a lot of our business is going to come from other lawyers. I have had referrals from people, lawyers, that I was opposed to in other cases. Wow. I have sent work to lawyers that I was opposed to because they do something I don't do or there was some other reason I couldn't take a case, and they impressed me. They were somebody that I'm not going to be embarrassed to have sent to this potential client to. Uh, and, you know, that's a huge part of what we do. And tied to that is getting out in the community and you know, speaking to other lawyers. I, all three of us have spoken on panels for continuing legal education. Oh, okay. I am soon to be the president of an organization in between, well, Minnesota overall, but most of us are in the same city, on alternative dispute resolution. Mostly mediation is what we do. So things, uh, arbitration and 
Excellent. Now, let me ask you, um, as far as your business goes, what's the next step for your business? Uh, that is a very interesting question because it's a topic that is of, I mean, it, it's a topic that we're covering uh, at the beginning of this new year and one that we continue to discuss as a partnership. Um, we are counsel in a very, very large lawsuit that um, is a very complex lawsuit against two other law firms, two of the biggest law firms in Minneapolis. Uh, and it's been a very uh, exciting but challenging uh, lawsuit for this firm to handle. And mm -hmm. the question that we ask now is what's the next step for us um, after handling that large, complex lawsuit that um, you know, may not have fit into our initial, uh, you know, the initial vision of this firm and calculations as to how we would do business. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a wonderful experience, but all three of us, I think, have reacted a little differently to it. And the question we have is, do we want to do another one of those? Um, ah. And so that's a very, it's, it's a very specific example of a opportunity that we each have reacted differently to it. And we're not quite sure how we want to build that sort of opportunity into our model going forward. I should say it's an opportunity we were all interested in when it came in the door. And I Bye. think we're all happy we did it. Yeah, uh, but there are varying levels of excitement among the three of us about doing another one at least right away. I'm not sure any of us are excited about doing one immediately. Uh, but it, you know, this goes back to the, what Mike raised earlier, that you speak, you know, if you're in a firm or a business with partners, you've got to talk regularly. And we deliberately sat down earlier this year, actually typed up a list of questions of, you know, what do we want to do, uh, do we, in terms of growing the firm? Do we all want mm -hmm. to grow in size? Uh, do, do we want to hire other attorneys or bring in partners? Or, you know, and we talked about it. And, you know, we have different answers. Yeah. Not ridiculously far apart or anything, but we have different ideas. And making sure we were all on the, if not necessarily on the same page, at least we knew what books we were all in. Mm -hmm. Run an analogy or a metaphor into the ground uh, was important. Uh, so I don't think we actually answered your question because we don't know the answer precisely. But you're talking about it. You're definitely talking about it. Now, let me ask For a firm of, of more than one, it's crucial. When I was on right. my own, I, my firm meetings were very simple. <laughs> <laughs> Unanimous decision. <laughs> so let me ask you, that, that uh, large case of the litigation case that you were talking about, and you're not didn't really foresee that as part of your business model when you started. How did that come about? Was that through a connection that you had, or did you actively go out and seek that, or how did that happen? It was through a connection. Um, actually, through our, our the firm that Adam and I used to work at. Okay. Uh, it was something that they were not in a position to take on, and they knew it involved uh, areas of law that we practice in, so they, they reached out to us, and we took it on. And wow. not to pat ourselves on the back too hard, but we've done an exceptional job against uh -huh. the largest firms and, and very good firms in the Twin Cities on a very complicated matter. But, you know, for a small business to take on something really large requires some thought. You know, we were able to bring in help on a temporary basis, we had to, but we had to think it through. You know, the three of us alone were not going to be in a position to handle this case and maintain the rest of our business. And we couldn't sure. in case take over our entire business because it is the nature of our business that cases go away. And if we've let everything else fall away while we've been working on this one profitable piece of litigation, then we get to the end of it and there's nothing left for us. Yeah. Yeah, where and all your clients have gone to the next to the next guy, so I can completely understand how. 
So let me ask you this, um, and this would be a question for each one of you to answer. Um, you're four years into your business, and you've all you know come from working differently um, in, in corporations and that sort of thing. But is there something that you know now that you wish you had known whenever you started that you could share with our listeners that uh, maybe can be a little bit of advice for them? I'll preface this with Adam had to step out of the room to deal with something on that big piece of litigation. Oh, okay. Oh, excellent. That's okay. <laughs> is, is there something we know now four years in that we wish we had known or thought about when we formed the business four years ago? Wow. That is an interesting question. I think the answer is probably... <laughs> yeah, um, I think the one thing that comes to mind is just how dependent I was as a lawyer on others in, in performing my practice at a larger firm. I took for granted a lot of the support network that mm -hmm. was available at that firm. And going solo or going to a small firm, I, I really didn't have the experience that I think Chad had had over the last, well, the three years prior, being solo, and Mike had had at a, at a small boutique firm. So they, they were already accustomed to operating as a smaller firm, and I did not have that experience. And I think it took me a long time to adjust to that new world. Um, and had I known what that adjustment would be like, I'm not quite sure we would have been in a position to do anything differently. I think I would have handled it differently. So, you know, transition into a new environment, there's, there's only so much you can, you can prepare for. I mean, experience counts for so much. Yeah. Uh, and so that's one thing that comes to my mind. But if you're leaving a firm or a business where you've been working for a long time to go into business for yourself, you know, that does highlight the value of thinking about what are all the things that go into making it possible for you to do your job. And yeah. you know, at the larger firm, we, for example, had an accounting department. I never oh, had yeah. to about how money got to where it needed to go. <laughs> I did that request through my secretary, and it magically showed up wherever it needed to go. Sure. When I became a civil attorney. I was the accounting department. Wow. Uh, and I thought about it in advance. It was frankly one of the things that kept me from going off on my own for a while. Uh, ah. I was kind of freaked out by the prospect of doing all of that. Uh, it turned out not to be as hard as I was afraid. It might mm -hmm. And then after three years of being solo, I formed a, a partnership with these two knuckleheads. And <laughs> one of them is Mike, who will not let go of the books, so I don't have to worry about it. So, again, I have a magical accounting department. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that's, that's a, a good point for anyone that's um, thinking about going into business because, really, there, you know, so many people would go into business if they could just do the part of the business that they loved, whatever the craft is, you know, that they could just perform that. But you have to complicate it with all these other tasks that nobody really wants to do a lot of times, you know, whether it's the marketing or the accounting or whatever the situation is. And so I think it is important to do that analysis and say, what, what about doing this business is going to drive me crazy, you know, and then finding people that can help make that easier along the way. That. And, but at the end of the day, there's some of it you're still probably going to have to do. Insurance. Yeah. If you're in a small business, you need various kinds of insurance. Sure. You know, a good insurance broker, frankly, get to know a lawyer who knows insurance to make sure you're getting the right kind. Mm -hmm. um, so every year, I have to go through and make sure that our insurance has been updated for a couple of different, we have several kinds now as we've expanded the business. Now that we have employees, we have to have workers' comp. And, and sure. We have commercial general liability, and I've just renewed our professional liability. And every year, mm. you know, it's something yeah, we have to go through the application again, and, you know, it's not fun. I don't make any No. Sense. But if I don't have professional liability insurance, 
I'm, you know, I'm putting myself and my partners at risk if something, if somebody sues us. Sure. Have we done anything that they could sue us for? <laughs> but <as a> person, <laughs> people can sue you for anything. It doesn't mean that. Yeah. Much. Right. Uh, and so, it's there are little aspects of these things, uh, or these things of running a business that people don't really have to think about if they're at a larger business and they're just doing their core job. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I can imagine it was a rude awakening going from just being a lawyer in a big firm where you just got to do the lawyer thing, and then suddenly you're in a position where you got to do that, but then you've also got to do all these other things and juggle these other tasks as well that you've not had a great deal of experience with. I can imagine there was a little bit of a learning curve with that. It's different. I mean, and practice at a larger firm, and I don't know how this translates to other businesses, but certainly in the, the business of law, practice at a larger firm is very different. You know, even in terms of being doing the lawyer work. Yeah. You know, when I was at, the, at a big firm, I didn't have to worry about how the pleadings that I drafted got to the court. They got to the ah. court, gave them to my secretary, and she knew what to do. <laughs> wow. So I hadn't taken the time, just because I was interested in it, to figure that process out while I was at the big firm. When I left the big firm and was all by myself, I would have panicked. Yeah, you would have been looking a little bit unprepared whenever you showed up and your papers didn't. So, so there are those practical aspects of what, what we do and I'm, that you don't always have to worry about if you're at a, in a larger law firm. And I imagine that there's something comparable in most businesses. Yeah. Exactly. Well, one of the last things that I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to do, um, because you've been generous with your time and your information and the things that you've shared with us about your journey along the way as business owners, um, I wanted to give you the opportunity to promote anything going on with uh, your business. And we definitely have um, a lot of people in Minneapolis that listen to the podcast. And so uh, what can we give you the floor to promote for your law firm? Well, this is Michael. Uh, the the area that I'm really working hard to uh, expand is representing more small businesses and uh, making sure they're dotting all their I's and crossing all their T's, and so mm -hmm. they avoid those big expensive lawsuits. Um, and so what I've been trying to expand, and it, it's something that I'm still trying to figure out the best way to do it too, but it's um, basically act as an in-house attorney for small businesses on some sort of monthly subscription where uh -huh. I'm, a, I'm a line item expense. They pay the same amount to me every month. If they don't call me at all, so be it. If they call me a bunch of times, if I review a few contracts, if I make, if I, you know, review all their internal corporate documents, so be it. it you know, in some months I'll do well, in some months they'll do well. Um, but right. in the long term, we both profit because I'm making money doing, doing what I do best, and they're avoiding conflicts, they're making sure that they're not going to get in a lawsuit, or if they do get into a lawsuit, they'll probably be able to make it go away very quickly, um, and everybody's happy. So that's what I'm trying to expand, getting, becoming that line item for expenses. So they think of, you know, having a lawyer is just one more expense that, you know, it's not something that comes up every once in a while. It's a small expense that's a regular expense. Yeah, well, and that probably, if you had something like that as a business owner, you would tend to use it more um, whenever things came up because you know it was already taken care of. You know, exactly. you would that's, tend to be proactive. That's exactly the goal is so that I have, and I, I mean, I do have clients like this already. I'm just trying to expand it. The, uh, the, the idea is that nobody is sitting there with a stopwatch if you call your lawyer and say, hey, I just got this contract, or I just got a call from this customer that's saying X, Y, and Z. What do I do about it? I want those calls because I want to make sure that this business, my client, is there in three to five years, and they don't make some minor mistake that turns out to be huge that makes them shut their doors. So it's, it's a way to encourage them to keep me in the loop and make sure that they call me and don't make uh, some stupid mistakes. Sure, excellent. I can think of two of our ongoing clients that have called us on a number of occasions, and we have probably saved them tens of thousands of dollars in litigation expenses. Wow. Uh, by 
you know, they pay us what they pay us each month, which, you know, in their case, isn't a whole lot. Uh, but they called and wanted to do something, and we said, you can't do it that way, and they took our advice. Wow. Yeah, those so, are those are good things. Yeah, you know, we're looking, and, you know, we're not the only firm doing it, but I think we're one of the better firms doing it, to create value for small, medium-sized businesses in the Twin Cities to be, call us to talk about the, you know, about your potential legal issues before they blow up. Yeah. Or at least have, you know, have the legal issues even on the radar of the business owner. I mean, because let's face it, we, you know, until something happens and you're in that situation, there, there are a lot of times when you really don't see something coming. But I think, it, you know, the more you get used to dealing with it and the more, you know, the more conversations you have with an attorney, certainly your radar is going to expand and you're going to suddenly see more things through your eyes, uh, you know, as a lawyer um, than, than you would have just as a normal business owner. Yeah, we're seeing this. It, we see potential problems or potential litigation all the time. It makes us yeah. fun. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we, and in particular, the three of us, because we are litigators primarily, we see the sorts of things that turn into lawsuits. And so if we meet with clients in advance, and you know, the, the clients that hire us in this sort of in-house counsel role. Uh-huh. them a few times a year and talk about what's going on in the business, and they may bring up something that doesn't occur to them as a legal issue that causes us to say, hold on a minute, let's explore that a little further, and we may be able to head off a problem. And, you know, I think we are all excited about supporting independent businesses in our community. It's something that I became a lot more conscious of when I became a small business person. And so, yeah. Well, I think there's a difference in dealing with you um, and your business, um, you know, small business owner to small business owner, than it would be going to a, you know, a huge corporation that would, you know, be able to handle your case, and then the next time you come around, be like, I'm sorry, who are you again? You know, I'm sure there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, relationship building. And yeah, we're just, you know, we're tied into that community. You know, we're part of Metro IBA and we know that community and we know other small business owners. And I find myself paying a lot more attention. If I go out in the community and go to a, a local restaurant, if I get the opportunity to talk to the owner, I take it. Sure. Absolutely. I may never get business out of this person, but mm-hmm. I'm really sincerely interested in how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that ever occurred to me when I was an employee at a bigger law firm. Oh, yeah. It, it, it matters to us that our clients do well, not just because yeah. we want to pay us, but because we care about our clients. Well, when they every you know when every business owner does well, the community does well, and so it's you know it's there's enough out there that it's a sharing kind of thing. So it doesn't hurt you for another business to do really well, and you can only be glad because that brings more business into the community. So Absolutely. I love that. So where can we find you guys on the web in case anybody um, wants to uh, look you up and need your services for any reason? So our website is sgflegal.com. Okay, and we'll link up to that. Or the lawgeeks.com. Okay. Are you on any type of social media or anything yeah. like that? Yes, you can find us on Facebook, also at SGF Legal. You can find us on Twitter at SGF Legal. Um, Perfect. Yeah, we, we, kind of, we send out some quirky tweets from time to time. We've got some <laughs> Facebook posts of in-office uh, dart gun wars. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. Um, we're known for our orange walls and our orange branding. Okay. So, yeah, check us out. 
excellent. Well, what I'll do is in our show notes for the podcast, I will link up to all these places where people can find you on the web. And so they'll just be able to go right from our website to yours and your Facebook and Twitter and that sort of thing. So, fellas, I appreciate so much your time today. I know um, it's a valuable resource for your business, and I appreciate you spending it, sharing your journey with us and the lessons you've learned along the way and know that other business owners will be able to learn a great deal from uh, hearing about your stories today. So I can't thank you enough. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Absolutely. It was our pleasure. Thank you. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick and mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So whenever you have the opportunity, choose local. 